I imagine most of us have daydreamed about winning the lottery at one time or another, thinking of the trips we could go on or the things we could buy. And of course, we tell ourselves we'd do a lot of good with the money as well, and hopefully we would. But the sad fact is that about 70% of the people who win big with the lottery lose it within the first few years. In 2016, Time Magazine wrote an article that was titled, Here's How Winning the Lottery Makes You Miserable. And it detailed uh, story after story of the so-called lottery curse. People who won the lottery um, squandered their winnings and ruined their lives in the process. Some even lost their lives. Now, I mentioned this so-called lottery curse because it's strong evidence supporting what Jesus teaches in our gospel today. How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, he says. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And, and let's be clear what he is not teaching. He is not teaching that wealth or riches or money is evil or that it's a sin to have riches, wealth, money. No, in reality, wealth is a good thing, a necessary thing um, to function in virtually any society throughout history. However, there are a unique set of trials and temptations that accompany wealth. And the so-called lottery curse is exhibit A of that. Now, the curse of the lottery is not some magic hex. It's simply the result of fallen human nature, which can easily make an idol out of money. And we make idols out of more than money. Our fallen human nature has this tendency to love created goods more than the creator. And when that happens, disaster follows. That's really what Jesus is getting at here. And the apostles are astounded by this. They are astonished at this teaching. They say, well, who then can be saved? Why was this so shocking to them? Well, because at the time, material wealth was seen as a sign of God's blessing. And there is a kernel of truth in that. Anything we have, all that we have that is good, we have God to thank for it. But Jesus says this because he knows the weaknesses of human nature, fallen human nature. And he recognizes that wealth exerts a pull on our loyalties and affections that can make it extremely difficult for us to follow him. You have, I mean, to be honest, we've seen this time and again throughout salvation history. If you read the Old Testament in the Bible, whenever Israel prospered, they forgot God and chased after idols. And sadly, uh, it's been no different in Christian societies throughout history. We really could just look at our own. Since World War II, the Western world has experienced a level of prosperity that is truly unparalleled in human history. Never before have so many people lived as well as we have in these past 75 or so years. And in those 75 years, we've also seen an exodus from the church of sorts. Now, it's not solely 
the fault of wealth. There are a myriad of reasons why that is, but it certainly fits the pattern we have seen throughout salvation history. Now, the truth is none of us choose where and when we are born. None of us choose the circumstances we are born into. And if wealth has these unique temptations and trials, maybe we're tempted to ask with the apostles, who then can be saved? But Christ, he gives us hope. He says, for for human beings, it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. So he gives us hope that by the grace of God, we can resist these unique trials and temptations. By the grace of God, we can live detached uh, from, the, from the created goods that we need to lose, use. What does that mean, that word detachment? I think it's easiest to explain by talking about attachments. In the Catholic spiritual life, an attachment is um, undue affection for some created good. Detachment, then, is simply getting our loves in order, loving the lesser things less, the greater things more, and loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit most of all, with all our heart, mind, and soul. That's really what we must do. That's really what the rich young man was unwilling to do. He was unwilling to love the lesser things less and the greater things more. That's what we, with God's grace, uh, can do. We can get the grace to know ourselves, to know what created goods we treat as idols. Maybe for some it's money, maybe for others it's honor, our reputation, or comfort and pleasure. Success, uh, power, fill in the blank. But by God's grace, we can come to know ourselves and to know those idols that we, or to know those goods that we have turned into idols. And it's by his grace that we can detach from those idols, from those created goods, and attach to God, the creator. As we continue with Mass and prepare to receive our Lord in Holy Communion, let's pray for the grace to know what goods we've turned into idols in our life, to detach from them, so that we can follow Christ with an undivided heart.